It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back for another season of college basketball. Uh, We are actually, this is the 2021-2022 sort of tip-off podcast uh, with with Michael Rogner here and, of course, your your lead host, uh, Ronan Point, uh, Matt Minnick, for the Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Podcast. Uh, it is, it is the, you know, it's, it's the Christmas Eve of you will for, for college basketball fans. We've got a bunch of great games tipping off tomorrow, champions classic. And then of course the Seminoles hit the hardwood on Wednesday, opening up their season against Penn. Michael, uh, it, it, the, the day's here. You, you ready for another season? It does feel a little bit like Christmas. It's uh, I, I asked a question on, on Twitter, <laughs> Uh, what would people rather see this weekend a win over Miami or a win over Florida for the basketball team and the poll results were like 80 20 football which actually I felt was pretty encouraging like there's there's some people starting to come around to this team so let's do it yeah no that's a good question uh yeah no let's definitely do it uh and so this podcast is gonna I think we're gonna cover cover quite a bit here so maybe it'll be good to set a little agenda for people to follow along but I think we'll, we'll start with just a little bit of like hey what have you missed right the offseason kind of um you know if if you have been just pretty much only following football for the last few months uh, apologies if that's the case um and and then we'll also preview so we've got the game against Pitt, uh Penn not Pitt Penn on uh Wednesday and then a game against UF on Sunday we'll probably preview both of those quickly take a break uh come back and just talk uh, no, no, wait, I'm sorry. See, we, we needed an exhibition matchup ourselves. We'll do the off season catch up and then a little high level on the team strengths, weaknesses, where might we be holding our breath a little bit break, come back and do pin and UF and then uh, a break and come back and maybe talk some, some recruiting uh, success as, as Florida state has had quite a few guys uh, pledge their services to, to the Seminoles over the uh, last couple of weeks. Uh, so with that, Let's let's dive in. Uh, yeah, the off season that that quite honestly felt maybe I don't know is is like a is disappointing the right word, Michael. At, at the time, I would say absolutely because we were just watching whiff after whiff after whiff of of you know, players that were recruiting to Florida state choosing to go somewhere elsewhere. And this is right after we found out that we had lost Raekwon gray That's right. and Balsha. And it was, it was just not, you know, looking all that exciting as, as it has been in recent years, but then, you know, recently we've, we've, we've turned it up quite a bit 
you know, I've got six recruits, the recruiting class is done. They're working on 2023 kids and, and maybe, you know, maybe the potential of a transfer or something later in the, later at, you know, at the end of the season, but you know, that, that going through all the, all the whiffs was definitely a little deflating. And so I'm, I'm pretty happy that, you know, they've made, they've made a quick rebound. It was, it was certainly frustrating I, you know, I don't know, uh, deflating. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we're, we've got some Tom Brady footballs going on here, but it was, you know, and especially I think, you know, the Will Wade situation, I mean, let's just put that on the table, right? This guy is continuing to make strong ass offers. Uh, LSU has sort of just thumbed their nose at the NCAA and, and for lack of a better word, told them to, you know, pound salt and, or, you know, and so, even though he's on wiretaps doing illegal stuff, even though you've got the NCAA choosing to go after, uh, you know, kids like at Oklahoma state where, where the kids who are at Oklahoma state did nothing wrong. And though, and they just found out last week that their um, that their season is, a, you know, they're playing just for the regular season. They're not going to be able to go to the postseason, even though, you know, a rogue assistant did stuff at Oklahoma state when these kids were in ninth grade, uh, Will Wade continues to, uh, you know, just go and do drop as many bags as he pleases. And I, and I think that that was certainly frustrating when you look at a guy like Efton Reed, uh, who, who LSU sort of signed out of nowhere. Um, and, and I know there were some other circumstances. You know, we looked at Trey Mitchell really hard. There was some extra baggage there that I don't think the coaching staff was willing, willing to take on, to be quite honest. And, and yeah, it just did seem like it was a whiff after whiff. Is there one of those, I mean, is there a player that would be eligible this year? So I'm not talking about like the Jay Gort who, who's going to the overtime elite, but is there a player either who transferred like a Sadar Calhoun to Texas Tech uh, who, who went to the NBA like a Bolsha or a guy that we simply just weren't able to land like a, like a Trey Mitchell or Efton Reed that you wish was on this team? Yeah, I think Trey Mitchell's probably probably the guy there. You know, it's just – the 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 skill set that we're very short on is is bigs when we go small mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. I, I think that he would have really filled that gap and and you know could also play you know can can play big as well he's just a really dynamic player so we're missing that but you know we got three seven footers we'll, we'll figure something out we do have three seven footers uh and maybe and you know before we move on let me say one other thing too i i will say that while the off season if you count it the one that started really with a with a, a blowout loss to michigan in the sweet 16 and then and then from there so it felt like sort of just one after another of not being able to kind of get guys we were going after i i do think though that if if caleb mills had transferred to us in in may that might have felt like a a really great win and and sometimes i think that folks forgot that he transferred in in, you know what december or january which which to be quite honest is maybe even actually better because he he had an extra six months to to get to know the team and the players and the and you know kind of be part of that chemistry building process so i do think that sometimes that gets lost in all of the summer uh, whiffs, if you will, which is that Caleb Mills was one of the best transfers on the market, and and he's at Florida State now. Yeah, and I I, I absolutely would fall into that camp of of once something good happens, I'm kind of moving on to the ne- to the next thing good. Um, so so I guilty, and then also Cameron Fletcher came in, you know, late as another guy who we don't really mention a bunch with the, with the. The recruiting class, you know, transfer from Kentucky, four-star guy, uh, super aggressive on the court, and and we're going to see plenty of him. Yeah, and and he hit a nice three uh, in in the second exhibition game too. So I mean, hey, if that's a guy, if all he gives us this year is, uh, you know, let's say fifteen or twenty threes on the season with some steals and some transition dunks and alley oops, I mean, and and some, you know, you know, of course, just being on, you know, deflections and being active on the court. That, that's a pretty nice addition for, for one year. And then, and then you look at getting him for a second year where maybe he can take on a, an increased role uh, as he's had a full year in the system then. So yeah, maybe that's a good segue into, all right, we've got, we've got a new team here. It, it's this, it's really the second consecutive year or maybe even third consecutive year in which Florida state is sort of simultaneously replacing a lot of talent 
uh, and, including NBA talent, uh, which we might touch on a little later, but also at the same time feels like they have a lot of experience coming back uh, with Evans and Osborne and Polite and, and Wilkes. And so um, it, 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 there's an interesting dynamic that the depth, that, that the way Leonard Hamilton continues to play 12 or 13 guys is able to sort of mitigate some of the, the transfers and the, and the transitions that occur but there does feel like for the first time in a few years, like we, we really are sort of heavy at the wings and, and guard position and, and don't quite know outside of Malik Osborne, who, who's kind of a jumbo wing himself. What are we going to be working with uh, in the front court? Yeah. And, and, and Malik Osborne has been, you know, out with the flu. So we, we don't know what we're going to get from him. like half of you Florida know? state has been out <laughs> yeah. with the flu. So yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, you know, we don't know what we're going to get from them in that very first game. And, you know, we're facing an opponent that probably going small is going to be the way that, that Florida State just kind of has to play. And, you know, with, with, with him out or, you know, I don't, he hasn't been called out yet. So we'll, we'll, I think he's probably be listed as like probable or something. So, you know, if he's but not, if he were to miss any time at any point during the season for flu or otherwise, like, what do you do if Malik Osborne is not available for a game? Let's just, Oh yeah. I mean, that. it's, a, it's, it's a problem because we don't, we, we don't have, um, you know, there's, there's basically replicates at every position, but you know, maybe you play John Butler a little bit more and, and he's certainly not going to be ready defensively or provide the leadership that Malik does you know, or, or, you know, maybe we go really small, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. Like Cleveland at the four maybe, or, or. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, for some, for some minutes, if you had to buy it. Yeah. I mean, we just, it, it, it's, it's hard to, to, to figure that out. And, you know, luckily the coaches are paid to figure that out. I'm not, um, you know, but we're just kind of missing that, that size, you know, Wyatt Wilkes is probably the closest in size and he certainly, you know, can't do what, what um, Osborne does on the court. And, and I, I think I'd say, probably say the same things about, you know, Raekwon Evans um, and Anthony polite. If, if any of those three guys are out for an extended period of time, this, this team is going to have some trouble. I, I definitely think that last statement is a true statement. I, I would say that at least, this is not to suggest that Anthony polite is not an important player on the team. I, I mean, you have one of the better perimeter defensive defenders in the league, maybe the best, but uh, you know, hard to always qualify that, but one of the top perimeter defenders in the league. And, and then also a guy who is, you know, just go ahead and put three points on the board when he's open from the corner and, and he's pretty, you know, deadly from a lot of other places around the perimeter too. Um, and not to mention his experience. So I am not trying to, to downplay if, if polite were to be out four or five games, but you do feel like at least, well, okay, maybe Mills can, you know, add in a few minutes or Worley sees some extra time. Uh, you know, we could figure something Evans and Worley and Mills maybe play a little bit more together. Um, but, you know, Osborne, I mean, going back to your comment about Trey Mitchell, I just don't know if you land a guy like Trey Mitchell, well, then yeah, you have like almost, you have a Malik Osborne and then you have like a more athletic Malik Osborne, you know, like, um, and we don't have that. I think, you know, losing gray, not landing Mitchell and, you know, with Butler being a year off in terms of just really having that size and strength to, to play legitimate ACC minutes against a team like UNC. I just don't know what the answer would. I, it just feels like the floor starts to look a lot lower if you had a guy like Osborne miss, let's say, eight games. Yeah, absolutely. And the coaches recognize that. You know, if you just look at next year's recruiting class, you've got Cameron Corrin and Deontay Green, who are both, you know, about 6'9, 215, 220, you know, and are, are going to fit that role, but, you know, they're not here yet. So, um, you know, would do whatever you do to do your little dance or say your prayers or, or whatever, but let's keep Malik healthy and anybody with the flu out there, stay away from them. Yeah. For what it's worth, uh, I sat, you know, the court side for the first exhibition game and man, Malik looked just in fantastic physical, physical shape. Looked like he maybe even had, uh, you know, gotten a half step quicker. Uh, he, he's always been, you know, a well-built guy, but he, he just really seemed like at a great weight, good strength. He was relentless on the boards, just flying everywhere and, and really, you know, was being that vocal 
communicator on the court that it was pretty clear that the guys are are listening and following him and, and paying attention to what he's doing and he's sort of setting the tone uh so it, at least the first part of the action where where we've been able to see him in in the exhibition game uh you know hopefully he is able to stay healthy um let's talk about though maybe let's move over to the guards and and you know guard we've i don't know that we have like a pure point on the team maybe evans is the closest but you know, we've got Polite, Evans, Worley, Mills, um, you know, even uh, a guy like Cleveland can bring the ball up the court. Uh, he's certainly a wing, but he had, you know, four or five assists in one of the exhibition games. Is this, I mean, is this the best that you've felt about um, the depth at guard in, in a few years? I mean, I know we had great guard play with Trent, but if Trent was ever out for some games, you kind of were like, oh, I don't know what we do. <laughs> Yeah, I, li- I like the depth and I like the mix of skill sets. Um, Experience wise, you know, it's Polite and Evans are the, you know, are the, are the two guys. Uh, so if they, you know, if they miss any time, it's a problem, as I mentioned. But for the rest of them, you know, it's like the offense, I think in transition, you know, as long as they're making good decisions, like 75% of the time is going to be way ahead of the half court offense. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to be one of those things where you just got to pre preach some patience to the fans you know it's it's important that half court offense really needs to be humming by march it's it's not going to probably look that good against penn so let's not you know overreact these guys are all learning there is no true point guard as matt mentioned you know which is which is a key point you got a lot of different guys who can be initiating the offense and it, and it's you know all comes down to you know everybody being on the same page which is you know pretty challenging in november i it makes me, this is something that we've talked about in previous years, but it makes me kind of go, go back to that, especially early this year, I, I almost would rather just see us put up shots um, because, you know, first of all, we're, we're, we should be a good shooting team. And second of all, I I often think that when you're struggling to score in the half court and you have the athleticism of Florida state, it's, it's oftentimes easier to score off of a missed shot or an, an offensive rebound uh, where there's a little bit of scramble and non-set defense than it is to actually just pound the rock for 20 seconds and try to find an open look. Um, so I, I almost would say, you know, I'd like to see guys like Evans, Polite, Mills, uh, Cleveland call their own number early in the shot. I mean, I'm not saying take contested 35 footers, but, you know, take a good early shot and, and let's see if we can then maybe get, uh, you know, get an offensive rebound or, or something like that. Um, what do you think? And of course, like you mentioned transition, but frankly, that's dependent on our defense. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't right. transition if you're not getting steals and, and rebounds. Yeah. I was, I was encouraged by Evans taking, I think he took four threes in both of the, the preseason games. So, you know, he's been one of those guys who has been, uh, you know, sort of entangled in his own indecision at a lot of, a lot of times Mm -hmm. and, you know, sort of too much pass first and not enough, not enough shoot first. So that was encouraging, you know, Cameron Fletcher and Caleb Mills. I don't think we're going to, it's not going to take much coaching to get them to shoot. You know, (laughs) Caleb's going to shoot the ball. Yeah, Yeah. that's for sure. (laughs) You know, it's, it's the other, it's the younger guys, you know, let's just make sure that Worley and Cleveland are making good decisions Butler's making good decisions, you know, on, on initiating that early offense, because, you know, as you mentioned, it's, it's our best offense and it has been for years. And so, you know, the, the more we can attack early and get a good look, the better it's going to be. And, and then like you mentioned the transition. And, and so that is fully dependent on deflections, steals, block shots that you're able to keep in bounds. Uh, and then, and then of course, you know, getting defensive rebounds, but ideally having a guy like Cleveland or Worley or Evans get a defensive rebound and push the pace up. Um, what, what do you think? I mean, it seems like we're pretty much sticking to this. We're switching defense. I mean, Hamilton has decided that we are going to a switch everything defense. And, and that feels like the case again. And, and it seems like to your point, what we're recruiting with Deontay green and Corin and those guys, it's going to, I mean, Bimbry, we're going to continue doing that. Um, do you think this team is going to struggle to, to defend the rim or uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, I, 
I, I honestly, I think we might foul a lot early on. If I'm being quite honest, <laughs> I feel like our bigs are all kind of foul prone, but what, what are you, what are you concerned about maybe with the defense? I think that the, the biggest concern is teams that can just spread you out and have a bunch of different guys who can drive the ball. You know, that, that that's one like way. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like Penn and shoot the three really well yeah. uh, and, and have a bunch of guys who are like 24 years old, but anyway, um, so teams that can, can, can spread you out. It's one way to, to negate Florida state's, you know, height advantage um, is, you know, you, you, cause, cause you can always get the matchup that you want because you know, that, that Florida state is switching one through five. And, and so Florida state has to be really ready for that. And unless the secondary defenders are totally dialed in, you know, that, that is just, you know, probably going to be a really big issue for Florida state, especially early. And when guys like McLeod and, and Ballard are in the game. Right. I, I was um, – I don't want to use the word impressed, but I was moderately surprised with Ballard's uh, secondary rotations and sort of weak side help. It, it seemed like he is beginning to show some signs of understanding where to be in the defense. Uh, so that was, you know, something to take note of. Uh, you know, we'll see what that looks like when we're, when we're playing – you know, D one teams with 24 year olds on them. Um, and, and I think that, I think that Matthew Cleveland has a potential to be a real, uh, you know, later in the season, if he can really start to understand the principles, the length, the athleticism his he will be a guy who can probably be quick enough to stay with a lot of smaller guards and, and, you know, at least big enough to defend some other teams, threes and fours, but um, again, early in the season, you just don't know what you're even a five star. You're not quite sure what you're going to get out of them. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. You know, you look at Kentucky over the years and you got all these, you know, you, you got five, five stars to look at every single year. And then, you know, some of them just don't you know, progress at the, at the rate that you, that, you, that you want them to. But Cleveland is one of those guys who's who's got a you know crazy skill set and is a matchup problem with his size and. And, uh, you know, we're also bringing in Jalen Worley, who his game is not nearly as flashy, but he's, you know, kind of an under the radar guy who can really take over a game. And then you've got John Butler and, you know, who knows what we're going to get out of him, but he's a, you know, seven foot one guy who plays on the perimeter. And, and if, he, if he can defend out there, then, you know, that that'll be a, a, a huge advantage. So anyway, I, I, and so having seen these guys again, I was able to attend one of the two exhibition games. So, you know, for what it's worth, that's a, that's a pretty small sample size, but um, I, I will say that Worley's body control is, is perhaps a little better than I expected uh, just based on film. It looks like maybe he's added a little bit of just strength. I mean, you know, this is what happens. 18 year old, you see a kid's film when, when they're in December of their senior year of high school. And, and by the time, you know, the next year they've, they've, you know, that's a big year, the 18 or 17 to 18, 18 to 19. So his, his body control is impressive. Um, and I think that, you know, his awareness of just the court, it like the court and, and the flow of both offense and defense, I think he can maybe, even though he's not as perhaps athletic as a guy like um, Trent Forrest, maybe I, I think that Worley, it will certainly have games where, like you said, he takes, he, he takes over for stretches. Uh, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland was slowed by a broken toe and, and it looked like he was slowed by a broken toe in the game that I saw. It looked like he was still kind of getting his sea legs underneath him a little bit, uh, which is fine. That's what exhibition games are for. I will say he has that sort of Devin Vassell like, um, you know, passing lane awareness where it, it's, he's almost baiting guys into, to making, making passes that are just ill-advised with a guy of his lateral quickness and length. Uh, so I, I think you're going to see some games where he has three or four, you know, three steals and another two deflections. Uh, and then Butler, man, you were talking about him last year. And I remember we did a podcast and I said, which of these guys would you be most, you know, you're most intrigued by And you named Butler and, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to be able to do. Like I think about teams like Purdue uh, with, with the, just, they have some dudes underneath and I don't think there's any way. Like, I, I just don't know how Butler would say on the court against, against a team like Purdue, but this guy is long. I mean, Florida state has long players and, and then this, his length is insane. 
and and his timing on blocks it, it, I mean, he, he will block people's three-point shots. That's We'll just go ahead and say that. People do not – shooters aren't going to realize how high they're going to have to get it up over a guy like Butler. Uh, his lateral quickness is better than Bolsha's. That, that's for sure. I don't know how good it is yet. It's hard in only a one game, but it's better than Bolsha's. And, and he's got a shot out to three. So, I mean, he could be a really, really big, big weapon, you know, next year. And, and if, if some of that can accelerate to be by, by March of this year, we could be looking at a fairly high, high ceiling for the team in March. Yeah. If you're describing a scenario where, where, you know, John Butler's playing well at the end of the season, then, then absolutely. The, you know, one of the coaches recently said that Butler might have the highest upside of anybody they've, they've coached here at Florida state, uh, which is, I don't know if they're just trying to pump up his, his confidence or, you know, if that's legit, but you know, it's quite a statement coming from people who have been here for 18 years. So he, uh, you know, Butler, Butler's still the guy, you know, that intrigues me the most out of this class. And, you know, I'm, I'm super excited to see all of them play, but, you know, watching the development of Butler, I think is going to be a pretty fascinating, uh, you know, insight into coaching. His length, when you, when you're sitting there on the court, his length is just something, I mean, I honestly don't know how a six, five guy would, would, if he, it's going to be difficult to shoot over him. Um, but Hey, you know, that's, that's what, that's what we're recruiting. So he, he clearly needs to add strength. I don't even know that he needs to add, I mean, he's never going to put a ton of weight on. He's got a skinny frame, but, but you can, you can add strength and functional strength without adding tons and tons of pounds. And, and that is going to be something that he, he needs to do, you know, every single chance he gets. Um, but all right. Any other thoughts on just the team in general or, or some questions or maybe something you're hoping to just get answered here in the first few games, uh, before we move on to the actual previews. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in like the, the offensive defensive dynamic, like how, how are we generating offense off of defense? And I think that'll be a, a pretty good indication of, uh, where these guys are in terms of, of, uh, um, you know, their, their development, if we're, if we're not doing that early, then, you know, the team is probably a little bit behind where I think they are, but, you know, I, I anticipate, you know, with all this length being able to, to, you know, genuinely disrupt teams or, or at least teams who aren't, you know, aren't as, uh, uh, experienced as pen, you know, maybe, but once we get, once we get past pen and into the rest of the schedule, I, I would expect some, you know, the defense to be a little bit of a mess, but also like a, a fun mess. Yeah, no fun mess. I it's, I feel like if you've seen any Toronto Raptors games, I feel like it maybe is going to look a little bit like that coincidentally where Scotty Barnes is, but you know uh, they're not, they, they, their centers are hurt right now. And so they haven't been, they haven't really had some true centers and you know, they don't, they're not the biggest team. There is definitely maybe one of the longest and, and, they're not always in the right place, but like you said, it's a fun mess and, and they've been able to surprise, surprise some folks and, and, and really uh, cause some frustrations, even of NBA players. So hopefully uh, we can, we can do a little bit of that ourselves. Um, let's take a break. We'll, we'll pause quickly and then we'll come back and actually talk specifically. We've alluded to Penn several times. We'll talk specifically about Penn and uh, UF coming up on Sunday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right. Well, if you if you missed the first part, we talked off season. We also uh, just kind of did general smorgasbord of what we're hoping to see or questions we have for the team. I gave a little bit of insight just from the exhibition game that I was able to catch uh, in person courtside. So um, go go back and listen to that. But right now we're talking about the first two opponents. Uh, we we tip off the season Wednesday night against. Penn out of the Ivy League. Uh, they actually, so the Ivy League didn't play last year. So this is going to be for Penn's first game against an opponent besides themselves. 
um, since March 7th of 2020. So basically since about three days before uh, all of our lives changed for the last 20 months. Um, What do you know about, I mean, have you, have you been able to scout pin Michael? Well, one of the problems with scouting pin is that they didn't play last year. So that's, yeah. that's, that's a little troublesome, right? The Ivy, you know, the Ivy league took, took the year off due to COVID and um, a couple of guys, including their leading scorer uh, actually uh, did not attend school because of the Ivy rules. So they, they, they left school to retain their eligibility, um, you know, and just worked out for, for a year. So uh, we'll be an interesting team to see coming in, but uh, you know, they've, they've got a lot of, of, ways to cause Florida state problems. They have a, a coach in Steve Donahue who's had some success against Florida state in the past with, with lesser talented teams. So it'll be, it'll be an interesting first test. Yeah. And I mean, is it a, is it an Ivy league team that, I mean, again, we don't know much about them, but with, with Steve Donahue with I mean, he's pretty much running similar offenses and similar sets that he ran up at Boston college, right. Or at least the last time we saw Penn. Yeah, they like to play fast. They like to shoot a lot. I mean, like half their shots are going to be threes. threes. Yeah. Um, and unless we're selling out on taking away the three, then they're going to get a bunch of uncontested layups. But yeah, their their offense should be pretty good. It's it's you know how we do against their defense that is going to be the the issue for Penn. Yeah, and one of the things I found interesting was that you know you might think of an Ivy League as like oh a bunch of like it's like straight out of Hoosiers or something, but they I mean they have like solid size at guard. I mean, they have guards who are, who are, are wings, I guess, who are six, three, six, five, you know, six, six, six. So they're not going to be, they're not going to be intimidated by our set. Now they don't have a seven. Well, I, I don't know, actually, Do, did they, did they add a seven footer that who didn't play last year? Um, I guess I, I don't, can't say that definitively. They're not going to have the kind of total length that we have, in, you know, with the front court, but on the wing, they, they aren't a small team. So, so we're not going to just be able to have guys, you know, Mills and Polite won't be able to bully their way into the, into the paint like they might against someone like Kihei Clark. Yeah, they've, they've, you know, your seven footer question, they've got a 6'10 guy, Michael Wang, who is from China and, and he spent last year playing with the Chinese national team. So, you know, he, he should be, you know, pretty well versed on, on inside play. And then, you know, as you mentioned, they, they're not small, you know, they, they'll probably start like 6'10", 6'8", 6'6", 6'5", 6'3", I think is their, is their starting lineup, you know, which is not that much smaller than Florida State. So they're a big team. Um, and, you know, the guy to watch is probably Jordan Dingle. He, he's, he's, uh, the son of Dana, Dana Dingle. Anybody remembers that UMass Final Four team in, in the mid '90s? Uh, he's, you know, he's a hell of a player. And then, um, you, know, you know, as I mentioned, they're getting uh, Michael Wang, the you know the big guy in the middle back. So you know, they're they're experienced, they're they're talented, you know, but they are an Ivy team. So it's you know, it's it's usually a difference in the 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 difference levels, like a, a, an athletic. Yeah. Um, component that, that they're not going to be able to match. Yeah. I mean, if these guys, if, if Dingle was shooting 36% from three uh, and, you know, at, and jumping, you know, having a 39 inch vert with strong lateral quickness and, and also six, four, I mean, then, you know, he probably wouldn't be at an Ivy league school to be honest. I mean, I, I, I guess that it's not, I mean, they have had a few, I Harvard, right. Had a, had a top 100 kid sign there semi recently, but Yes, there is a there is an athletic level that is a step down, but you know that doesn't always matter, especially if you get a game. I kind of mentioned this earlier. You get a game maybe where there's a lot of whistles and and guys like Tenor and Gom and Quincy Ballard and and you know maybe some of the freshmen are doing more reaching than they are sliding their feet, and, and all of a sudden like fouls are up to seven or eight fairly quickly in the first half. Like it doesn't you don't have to have superior athleticism. You know, if, if the game doesn't play out in a manner in which you can just get out and start throwing alley-oops and transition, it doesn't really matter that much for, you know, especially with the, with the three-point lottery. Yeah. I, th- I think that both teams want to kind of play fast on offense and really slow it down on defense. And, and, you know, Florida state has to, they got to be running this game. They got to be scoring and in, in, in transition. Cause that's, uh, you know, the, the, the offense is probably, you know, not all that advanced at the moment. And so they, they're going to need a bunch of uh, free buckets and, you know, hopefully that length will, will lead to some of those. We, the other thing is, you know, 
it, typically Donahue's teams had, had never been great on the offensive glass. Uh, Penn definitely was not the, the last time out they had a season, but uh, just in general, the, the, it's not something that he prioritized. We've got to make, you know, whether if, especially if Osborne can't go, I mean, cause he, he was the guy that had 10 defensive rebounds in, in the exhibition game. Florida state cannot give a team that would shoot the ball potentially like Penn, uh, you know, open second looks off of offensive rebounds. And, and, you know, but several FSU players talked about it uh, in the preseason about, you know, needing to get a body on somebody, needing to be aware that long shots lead to long rebounds and, you know, rebounding out of your zone. But Florida state is going to have to make sure that they, you know, they don't need to rebound, you know, in the, in the 80, they don't need to rebound 85% of the sh- of defensive, you know, available defensive boards, but they can't let that, you know, offensive number for pin, uh, get up into the into the 35 or 40 percent range yeah and we tend to uh you know allow that to lesser teams a lot of times you know just sort of counting on our athleticism to get rebounds and and the, well, one the guy's guy got, leaking out yeah they just got to be fundamentally you know strong when it when it comes to rebounding on, on both ends of the floor so we we shall see how how far along they are um but you know i'm hoping for the best at this point yeah, it, it, it does feel like a game that there could be some nervous moments, uh, you know, maybe Florida State not even leading for, you know, it feels like there could be some situations where Florida State's not leading for a lot of the first half or the teams are relatively close back and forth. And, and you hope that if it's a, it's a, if it's an up-tempo game that Florida State's depth and just and eventually athleticism is able to wear uh, pinned down and not to mention playing at home. I, I think I'd maybe be a little bit more nervous if this was a game in some random gym in the middle of, you know, Missouri or something and, and, you know, on rims that we're not familiar with, but uh, I, I would like to think that w- we would be able to find a way to win the game uh, in the last 10 minutes of it. Uh, what, what about you? Do you, are you predicting a win, Michael? I am predicting a win. I think if, if the if the point spread is more than about 15, then I would probably take Penn and the points. Uh, straight up, I'm definitely taking Florida State. I, th- I think that that we will wear them down. I think I think our length is going to be a problem, and I think that our seniors are kind of ready to 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 drag this team along with them. You know, so when we when we do have nervous moments, you know, I, I expect Osborne and and Evans and Polite and. And, you know, even a couple of the walk-ons who have proven to be great leaders, you know, kind of calm everybody down and get them into that ham frame of mind where, you know, you just grind away one possession at a time. And, and eventually, you know, it, it pays off in the final 10 minutes of the game. Yeah. Yeah. That, that seems like a, a reasonable uh, take. And, and I'd even throw a name out there too, Wyatt Wilkes, who, um, you know, it's, it's oftentimes games like this where the athleticism isn't quite as high as you might see against, uh, you know, against like a Georgia Tech or a Louisville or something that Wyatt is able to be that guy who can who is long enough to bother someone on the perimeter, but he's quick enough to stick with them uh, against a team like Pitt and, and Penn. And you might see Wyatt end up, you know, with three or four threes as well. So and, and he's got the experience, I think, to to stay calm in the final 10 minutes. So he, he could, he could play a factor uh, in this as well. Um, so let's then we're kind of total opposite uh, game on Sunday going from Penn to, to UF and, and it's at UF and, and it'll be their second game as well. They play Elon tomorrow night, a game that, you know, if, if Mike White is doing anything right, they, they should probably beat Elon by 15, you know, to 18 or whatnot. And that's a home game for them. And then they, they welcome Florida State in for a home game on Sunday. Um, they, you know, wait, what can we say about Mike White for UF teams? They're they're talented. They're um, they're they're athletic. They're they're big. They're they have guys at, at a lot of levels that can really play. I mean, Castleton is is terrific, uh, and yet, you know, I. I can't say that I feel like they're going to suddenly just jump up into the top 10 with, of the country with, with Mike White and, and they haven't beaten Florida state in what is it? Are we, is it six straight now? Seven straight that, that, that UF has lost to Florida state. Seven straight, seven straight. So we're going for two full recruiting classes here with, with win number eight. Yeah. These, so these guys, the new recruits were in like 
what is that like fourth grade fifth grade when last time florida won yeah yeah something like that they might not have been actually watching basketball at that point <laughs> <laughs> although uh, john butler is six feet tall i believe so <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah so i mean i don't know what is this just is, is everyone still sort of just counting on mike white not maximizing what talent is at uf that's certainly been the trend and you know it's 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 hard to give him the benefit of the doubt until he kind of proves it but you know their team is is you know similar to ours they certainly have more blue chip talent but it's similar to ours in that they're mixing in you know some new guys with some old guys and and you know it's an early season game so you know i, I they're certainly not going to be a fully finished product either um you know, being, being at home, you know, maybe this is the year that they do it. You know, this is, you, you, you never know. They're, they're, they're going to have to win one at some point. Florida State's not going to win every game against UF for the rest of time. Right? Odds, odds, odds are slim on that, I think. Yeah, maybe so, for the rest of Hamilton's time. I don't know, right. at, at Florida State. But yeah. yeah, so, it, I mean, it'll, it'll be the first time we've seen Florida State against a talented team. So, it'll, it'll, it'll be a great measuring stick in that way. So they lost Trey Mann, which is good news for everybody who plays UF. Uh, he, he was, you know, quite talented. And I believe they lost Scotty Lewis too, right? Is that correct? Yeah, Scotty Lewis opted for the draft and, and uh, Trey Mann's gone. He did. He, Trey Mann got drafted, I think. Or yeah, yeah, he was there. Yeah. yeah, he was their one good player. Um, and uh, let's see, Noah Locke transferred. I think That's he's right. At, yeah, he's at like Louisville now, and Keontae Johnson has not been cleared to play. He's and, still unable. Would really feel for him. I'm sure he just wants to put that whole incident, you know, behind him. But you know, but Castle, they, they, it's not like they. I mean, they have what four or five seniors. Uh, Castleton is it, it can really play underneath, and he's going to challenge our our. You know, he's going to challenge our big guys. That quite honestly, we might use ten fouls against Castleton, and then and then Appleby, Tyree Appleby, who. You know, he played at UF last year, uh, but he came over from uh, wasn't he at Cleveland State before where with uh, Gates? Is that is that right? Or... He was. Yep. This yeah, will be so, a second year in Florida. Yeah. So he, and he he's smaller. I mean, he would not make it at big guard U, but uh, he he certainly is is a strong floor leader point guard who, who has played in you know, 90 games of basketball or whatever in his career. So he's certainly someone who can, um, you know, put some pressure on a defense if if you're not able to, you know, if you're not uh, bothering him maybe with our length. Yeah, Appleby's a problem. I mean, we he's, you know, he's just so quick. It's just unbelievable how quick of a player he is. And and uh, it's it's a good thing he ended up at Division One or, or at, a high, at a high major school because he's definitely got that kind of talent. You know, he's a problem. And then that you know they also brought in Myron Jones, who was Penn State's best player. And mm. you know you, you might not think much of Penn State's best player, but he's actually really good. And he can shoot the lights out. And he takes he's used to he's used to uh, always having the ball in his hand and scoring a bunch. So. Uh, you know, he's, he's another one to watch out for. And then they have, uh, you know, a few other transfers, CJ Felder, who was at Boston college for a while and Flanders Fleming, which is just a great name, but he's a, you know, kind of a dynamic guard from Charleston Southern. Um, And then they have Anthony Derugi who also transferred in, but was with them last year. And he's, he is, uh, you know, a, a level of athlete that we're used to seeing. I mean, he's just, he can jump through the, the, out of the gym. It's, it's, it's impressive. So, you know, they're kind of like us and that they're big and they're talented and, and, uh, they've got smaller guards, but they're, they're definitely going to be learning how to play together. And, and my, you know, Jones is a good point. The guy from Penn state and, and let, Hey, the big 10 plays good basketball. Let, let's and anybody who's the best player on any big 10 team is probably a, a legitimate, you know, P five or, or high major player. Um, and, and he gives them something that they really haven't had uh, for the last few years, which is a legit three point threat. I mean, he was, he was 40% on 139 threes uh, two years ago at, at Penn state. And then in his junior year at Penn State, 
he was 39 and a half percent, um, you know, 40 again, but uh, on 152 threes. And, and keep in mind, that's 152 threes in a shortened season. So, um, I mean, he, he's going to let it fly and he's probably going to make a few. That is something that you haven't had to be as concerned about with with UF teams, you know, the last two to three years. Yeah, they've always had like, you know, one one or two good shooters, but they're, you know, just not real high volume guys. And, you know, Myron, Myron Jones is, is definitely a guy that, you know, neither Florida State nor uh, um, Florida has had recently, you know, just the kind of guy who's, you know, uh, that can, that can totally, you know, take Tony Douglas type of takeover. Um, kind of reminds me of Caleb Mills a little bit, if you, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that earlier, you know, that he's, that he's our Caleb Mills, you know, it's yeah. just, the only difference is that Caleb actually, you know, has spent a little more time around the program. Right. Uh, so he, so Caleb will be, uh, you know, built into the system a little bit more, even though he, you know, he used to just let it fly into, into indiscriminately. And Myron Jones, I think, will still be in, like, I'm the dude mode. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It will, and and which then could lead back to Castleton. Uh, again, you know, maybe Malik – hopefully Malik is, is recovered a bit uh, by then to really give a full 30, 35 minutes because I, I just don't know that that a guy like Ngam or Ballard is going to be able to to hang with, with – with, I mean, with a true vet like Castleton, you know, he, he was at Michigan for a couple of years for folks who don't know, transferred from Michigan, played with UF last year. And, and I want to say he's, he's preseason all sec first or second team. Yeah. And he went from just a total bench warmer at Michigan to, uh, you know, arguably the best player on, on Florida's team last year. And so it was, it was, you know, not really that expected, but he's got size. He's, you know, he reminds me a little bit of Jay Huff and that he's just got, you know, he's got all the moves down, down low. He doesn't look all that impressive. And then you look up and he's got like, you know, 18 points and 10 boards. Well, and, and he was an 82 for, uh, percent free throw shooter his sophomore year at, at Michigan, albeit on only 30 attempts and, and a 78% free throw shooter on 96 attempts last year. So, you know, we cannot have our bigs reaching, bringing their arms down, trying to contest shots and just sending and sending Castle to the line 10 times. Yeah. And I don't, I almost prefer to go small, you know, assuming that Osborne can play and, you know, I, cause whoever's guarding them is going to be fronting them. And, you know, just force Florida to make the proper lob every time, you know, before our help defense can get there. Um, you know, when we, when uh, our, our true bigs are fronting, I think it's, you know, sometimes easier to get the ball into the post just because they're not, you know, quite as skilled or quite, you know, quite as mobile. Yeah, no. The, and, and especially with a with a guy like Appleby, who, who while quick uh, is only six one and that might be a generous listing, um, you know, that can make it difficult if, if you're. If Appleby is being defended by, let's say, Anthony Polite, uh, who is 6'5", or Raekwon Evans, who is 6'4", and he's got to get it around or over him, and, and, then, and then, you know, Osborne is fronting Castleton and, and making that a difficult entry as well, or Butler fronting Castleton if, if, if you needed to have someone who is a little quicker in there and long, um, you know, that becomes a pretty difficult entry pass uh, and, and one that even if it's caught by Castleton, he may not be in the spot that he wants to be in. So, yeah, I, I think that's actually a pretty, pretty good strategy. Yeah. And he's, he's one of his weaknesses is passing out of the post. So if you, you know, even if he does make the catch, you have him double teamed. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and check the stats from last year's game. Just to, just to see how we played him. It looks like he played 21 minutes had seven points and seven boards. So Florida state did a pretty good job against them last year with, with uh, guys like Raekwon Gray. Yep, exactly. And, uh, you know, so, so it'll be hey, interesting to see if we can do, Osborne do that better again. be taking Tamiflu <laughs> and, and coldies all week long. Right. <laughs> right. Um, exactly. all right. Well, so I guess the time's come, I, I'm going to say, you know, I think that Florida state actually benefits from this game being game number two. Uh, I think that having Wilkes, Polite, Osborne, Evans, you know, that have been in, they've been in three or four Florida State UF games. Um, I'm going to say Florida State pushes it to win number eight 
uh, in a row. It's going to be close, but I, I think I, I'm going to say Mills hits buckets down the stretch that gives Florida State, you know, a three or four point win, which makes you feel pretty good about coming back and getting win number nine in a row next year at home. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, Michael, do you have a, a prediction for th- for this year's game? Yeah, I'll agree with you, but I'll hedge it a bit. Uh, uh, Polite, Osborne, and Evans all have to be healthy and you know, w- you know, able to play like twenty to 28, 28 minutes. I, I think there's going to be a lot of nerves in this game, especially early. And you know, having those three guys, uh, you know, being a- being able to to calm everybody down will, will probably be one difference. You know, Florida's. I don't think they're going to be as connected because they got you know. Five transfers. <laughs> yeah, just too many transfers and too many new faces, and and uh, you know ha- having that trio of Polite, Osborne, and Evans will really really make a difference. Can we go ahead and say that all predictions this year are couched by <laughs> assuming Osborne, Polite, and Evans are able to play twenty five plus minutes? <laughs> yes, and Scotty Barnes is not coming back. All right, all right. Well, so that that motion has been uh, seconded and approved. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of Scott, Scotty Barnes, let's take one more quick break and then we will come back and talk a little bit about Scotty and the NBA and some of the recruits as, as well. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, uh, yeah, so we, we just previewed both the Penn and UF games. We have uh, Michael and Matt both predicting a 2-0 start for the Seminoles as long as Malik Osborne is, is not suffering from the flu. Anthony Polite is recovered <laughs> fully from his knee contusion and Raekwon Evans doesn't have something happen between now and the games that would cause him to miss. Um, so let's talk a little bit about I, – I know that you haven't – you're not typically a guy who watches a ton of NBA, but, but perhaps since Florida State's presence in the NBA has been noticeably growing – uh, have have you caught any games or or highlights maybe this year, Michael? Yeah, that's that seems like a totally reasonable expectation, but the reality is I've watched zero possessions of the NBA so far. Oh, nice. I I, I have seen lots of tweets that that our boy Scotty Barnes is is doing quite well, and I think that's something that we both talked about, especially you in the past, that he's going to be a better NBA player than college player. And, you know, that has certainly proved to be true. And then having an actual offseason to be able to practice with his team, you know, is obviously another big difference where at Florida State, he was just kind of thrown in post-COVID and told to go do Scotty things. So now he's doing Scotty things at the next level, but I can provide, that's that's all I got. So if you, if you have some, uh, uh, you know, NBA looks at how our guys are doing, I would love to hear it. Yeah, no. And, and so we can start with Scotty, who, who honestly, at this point in time, it may be him and Evan Mobley, the the guy, you know, he was the big over at USC that there's brothers there. And Andy Enfield had, you know, coordinated with their high school coach, who I think got a, a role on the staff or something and had both the brothers there. And Mobley uh, had a fantastic freshman year and, and is now having a fantastic rookie year. Um Scotty and Evan right now may be early leaders for rookie of the year. Scotty had a bit of a thumb sprain that caused him to miss three or four games, but fortunately for him and the Raptors, it was not a broken or even a fracture and, or, you know, just a sprain, really a jammed thumb. And and so he's back out on the court and he, to your point, you know, the NBA game is what I think Florida state would like to play. Uh, It is space. It is pace. Um, You know, the 24 second shot clock, the referees do a better job of allowing um, of allowing the kind of contact that doesn't impact movement to, to go on, but then really making sure that player movement uh, is not, you know, restricted where it should be when you're, when you guys trying to drive to the basket and, and Scotty Barnes is thriving. Um, I, I actually was having a discussion with a buddy that actually made me go back and look at some of some tape from last year to your point. 
It's really remarkable. I, I think folks underestimate the amount or maybe overestimate the amount that the guys actually got to practice in the preseason or off season last year, which is to say none with, with each other and the coaches. Uh, and, and then even trying to learn a system on zoom, it, it's at, Honestly, it, I may have to go back and reevaluate and think of Scotty's freshman year as perhaps the most impressive freshman year, uh, you know, or, or first year by a Florida State player since Sam Cassell, uh, just be, given all those circumstances. But he looks like a guy who got to practice with his team in the offseason and got to do summer league. And, and he had, I mean, Michael, we're talking about some like 24 and 13 kind of games. I mean, he's having double doubles. He is, he is the offense is running through him at times and he looks on his way to being a heck of an NBA player. If, if you're able to catch a Raptors game, check it out. Kevin Durant had, had, you know, had Scotty on him for portions of, of their game over the weekend. And he, in the post game, he kind of said, you know, what is it? This guy's 19 or 20. And, and I think his quote was just sheesh, you know, like uh, this, this is another, another level of dude for 19 or 20. Um, but there's some other guys that are making great strides too. Terrence Mann is really coming into form as sort of the Clippers energy off the bench. And he'll have games where he plays 30, 35 minutes and, and they need his defense. They need his energy. He hit a buzzer beater right before halftime uh, to give the Clippers some momentum the other night. And, you know, he's always good for a poster slam. So T man is, is absolutely getting some run. And, and I would expect that, you know, next year or the year after he might be starting on some team, either the Clippers or, or otherwise uh, Devin Vassell is, is oftentimes playing the most minutes of any non-starter for the Spurs. And, and really for Popovich to be relying on a second year guy that much uh, is saying something he's had some games where he's been the leading Spurs scorer, uh, and, and so he's starting to find a groove, find his, his rhythm and, and be counted upon for both his offense and defense. Trent Forrest is getting, you know, I don't want to say regular minutes, but he is getting minutes in non garbage time with the jazz. And, and he's a player who probably will play one more year on this two way deal. And then uh, the jazz will either, will either find a spot for him by moving someone like Jordan Clarkson in the regular rotation or another team will scoop him up and you will see Trent Forrest in the regular rotation one way or another uh, this time next year. And, and then uh, Pat Williams, unfortunately, he, he, he'd overcome a sprained ankle from the summer was in the starting lineup for the bulls, but just a couple games in had his season end when uh, there was a flagrant foul. He was up in the air and quite honestly, it was a dirty play. Uh, I, I believe the Knicks player was ejected or close to it. Uh, and Pat unfortunately came down and, fractured his wrist, I believe. And, and so his season is done while Jonathan Isaac is still trying to recover from an ACL tear and, and hopefully we'll be back uh, in the next month or so, but that that's a quick NBA rundown. Um, I, what if I pitch it to you on the give and go here and, and you give us a little bit of a rundown of who some of the next NBA players might be uh, with, with the recruiting class that we not inked, but at least have committed or they will they will be inked by the time we play pen. I think all six of them are signing early, uh, and, and signing days on Wednesday. So you know that's that's certainly good good news. Um, lock these guys up. Uh, you know we've got three four stars coming in. I think you know will be the ones that are are most intriguing for the fans. You know Cameron Corhan is like this six nine uh, uh, swing guy, you know, he can play outside. He can play inside. He's got, you know, really great frame to put on a bunch of weight. So he might, you know, we were talking earlier about Trey Mitchell from the, you know, the transfer from UMass, you know, he might turn into, you know, one of those types of players. Uh, Chandler Jackson is a, you know, six, four guard out of, out of, uh, uh, Memphis, you know, so it's nice to see coach Jones really close the deal on a, on a, on a key, um, uh, re recruit, um, as that's Jones territory and, and he's uh, just a bulldog, right? I mean, he's, he's just, uh, yeah, they were actually, you know, when they were showing, when they did a film review with them, they were, they were showing him a bunch of Terrence Mann film, mm. you know, so he's, he's smaller than man, but they think that he can have that same type of, uh, of game, um, you know, probably a little more developed as point guard early and not as developed, you know, power, you know, the power game, which will come late. So we'll see, but yeah, he is, he plays downhill. He puts his head down and gets to the rim. And then, uh, Deontay green, who's a super key recruit out of North Carolina, you know, is another one of these guys at six, nine, 
215. He's probably a little more suited to playing on the wing than Corhen is. Uh, you know, so it'll be a nice mix of skill sets. And then, you know, we have three, uh, you know, other guys that are kind of coming in under the ra- radar, Tom house, which, you know, he may, he may have, I'd have to look it up, but he may have actually led the state of Ohio in scoring, which is, you know, pretty bizarre for someone who hasn't been evaluated. And then Jeremiah Bembry, you know, big giant point guard who is somehow connected to our final recruit, which was yesterday, which was, um, I won't even try to pronounce his name, but uh, he's a seven footer from, from Europe. Yeah. Seven footer from Morocco. And, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll learn how to pronounce his name sometime before we talk about him in depth, but nobody knows anything about him because there's no film. He's been playing professionally, but on an under 21 team. So it is a true ham recruit. So, and that's, that's six guys you just named. And, uh, I, I think we are carrying an open scholarship. Is that, I don't know if any of the walk-ons were granted one or not. I know because of the COVID situation, Evans and, and Gom both are not counting towards our, our, you know, scholarship limitations. So it, either way, it's a big class that signals to folks, the kind of attrition that, uh, is probably should be expected off of this team, um, and, 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 you know, is it possible that Florida state's not done? Well, there's, there's, you know, there's always, you know, ham says don't count on scholarships. So there's all, there's always one more to be found if, if you need it. So I, I definitely wouldn't, uh, I, I think it's probably not going to happen at least at the high school level, but right. Transfer you know, or something like that. Yeah. We're definitely going to be following the transfer market because you never know what's going to happen with your own roster, you know, at the, at the end of a season. So uh, I, we got six guys and it'll probably end up more like, you know, seven or maybe even eight once you, once you count in the transfers. Yeah. Which, which is a monstrous class. Uh, and, and I got it. I mean, there were some moments here, Michael, I'll, I'll confess to, to being pretty down. I, I, I think it was given the number of guys at the high, you know, the cream of the crop guys who we were really in on. And, and I, and I think there might've been, you know, some, you know, some genuine hopes that we might've had a, a top three class this year. Um, you know, it's been difficult with recruiting in an environment where some places are still, you know, Hamilton's not a guy that likes to travel. He, he he's, I don't want to, I mean, germaphobe is the right word. I don't know. He he's definitely still taking it easy, just given uh, restrictions and and obviously age uh, in terms of travel with COVID. So he hasn't been on the road as as much as maybe he had pre-COVID. Uh, and and then you know sometimes you just get a situation where Jay Gort, who looks for the world like he's going to be FSU's best point guard commitment ever, gets offered nearly a million dollars to go play in a new professional league. And, and you know what are you going to do? Uh, that 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 is just unfortunate timing despite some of what feel, felt like some disappointments along the way, it, it, it feels like we maybe got a pretty solid, you know, floor raising class for, for, for the next few years. Yeah. That, that little run from middle of September to the end of October, when all of these guys committed, you know, certainly, uh, you know, made it easier to, to stop worrying about the, the super high end guys that we missed. But I, this reminds me of the 2017 class, uh, you know, which had Raekwon Gray and, and Anthony Polite and um, uh, Wyatt Wilkes, you know, that sort of that sort of foundational class that, uh, um, you know, allows you to kind of plug in parts around them, you know, especially when you're talking about super high end guys. So, you know, there, there's a way to 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 build this roster, which looks like, uh, you know, based on this recruiting class, they are. 100% embracing the, uh, you know, switch everything offense, you know, so there's a, there's a way to maybe plug in a point guard. There's a way to maybe plug in a, a you know, one more wing or a center, you know, which, which you'd be looking at in the next year's class. So, you know, I expect them again to be going after, you know, the highest of high end guys, you know, in the next class and, you know, just kind of see where the chips fall. Now that's an interesting comparison. You know, MJ Walker was in that uh, 2017 class too. And, and, you know, MJ Walker, Chandler Jackson kind of has some, I, I think maybe Chandler is more developed as a, as a point guard and, and maybe ball handling, but some similarities there. Um, I think that, you know, house is a guy who's known as a pure shooter, sort of, sort of like a Wilkes. And, and uh, so, yeah, maybe that's an interesting co- uh, comparison and, and Hey, you know, I, I'm really a big fan of Deontay green. I just want to say that. I mean, he, he is, he's a stud. 
Uh, I know the North Carolina schools wanted him and uh, he, he's someone that I think really fits what we're trying to do. And, and he's an unselfish player and, and comes from, you know, he's got a, you know, he's got a good basketball background. So I, I I'm really high on him. And, and so, yeah, it, it's a, it's a good class. Yeah. And from you know, everything I've heard, they're also, you know, very vocal players, you know, very, so it's going to be key when you're bringing in, you know, up to what, eight new guys next year that you know, you've got some young guys who are not afraid to, you know, be vocal and lead. And, and, and I think this class is sort of going to bring that to the, to the program as well. Well, this was a, this was a full pod. We'll have to speculate on if we're bringing in six to eight guys, what, what does that mean uh, for the number of players leaving uh, in, in down maybe on a, on a future pod after we hopefully get a few wins under our belt, but it's, it's good to be talking to you again. It's good to have basketball season back. Uh, I know, I know you're probably going to be watching games all, all night tomorrow night uh, with, with a number of good ones to watch. And, and then, you know, we'll, we'll be, we'll be rooting on the Seminoles come Wednesday. Absolutely. Can't wait for it. It's good talking to you as always. All right. For, for Michael, I'm Matt signing off.